and welcome to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. This week, we will be discussing The Red Angel. I am Ethan, and I am joined by... Excuse me, joined by Kevin. And we have finally reached culmination, or the reveal, sort of, and maybe, but... Before we get to um, that, well, yeah, Kevin's been reevaluating his watching of the show, and he wants to let us know what he's been thinking about and his view. Okay, as you said, don't go into a big long soliloquy, and I won't. I won't. I won't dwell on this for too long. But I just I wanted to uh, kind of address something. So um, I think it's fair to say that the episode we reviewed last week, um, Project Daedalus, we were kind of. I don't want to say underwhelmed. We were kind of middle of the road. Nothing seemed to particularly stand out. It wasn't. We didn't love it. We also didn't hate it, despite how important it ended up being to the season. Right? I, I don't same? think that characterizes <clears throat> my feelings. I think I had strong feelings that I felt I, were, I was critical of a few things. Um, and I think, yeah, and I was middle of the road. Think I had a good reason so, for it. And the reason so and that plays into this. So um, I was I was kind of listening to the podcast again listening to what we were saying about it i was listening to some feedback that we were getting on twitter getting into chatting chatting with people online about stuff on reddit too and people were who were who were listening to the, who were listening to the show last week were kind of surprised at um our thoughts um you know they thought that we were gonna be saying some sort of i think they thought we were gonna be maybe speaking a little bit more positively about it because everybody else is speaking very positively about it and we were kind of I'll just note one interesting thing that yeah we're generally pretty positive we are it's rare that we're critical so it's interesting that when the buzz is positive we are so and I I want your kind of take on this as I I go into this so uh, as I was looking at this as I was looking at this stuff up online I thought to myself like Okay, I feel like I feel like I am missing something. I feel like I, me personally, like, I feel like I'm missing something. Now, obviously, you're allowed to not like something. If you don't like something, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. But I wanted to kind of see if there was something I could dig into, and I began to realize that, you know, I'm a huge. Obviously, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, <clears throat> and I think that's a problem for me because I realized in watching Discovery since. I mean, really, since the beginning. Um, but I'd say more so with the season. I think I'm spending too much time trying to look for canon connections. Where Discovery where Discovery exists amongst the rest of the shows. Where it fits in. I'm looking for like little clues. Little like nods to the other shows. And I don't feel like I'm giving it maybe the undivided attention... I should be, because remember I was saying, like, oh, you know, these scenes of exploitation, I'm, like, getting lost, I'm like, wait, what's going on and stuff? And I think it's all because I was, I don't think I was paying as close enough attention as I should have been. And I think that being a massive Trek fan, in some ways, was working against me. That it wasn't allowing me to see the show for what it is on its own. Rather than what it should be with everything else around it, if that makes any sense. I think you're being too critical on yourself because I've been the one here talking to you about it and I don't think that you've taken that route. I think that if you were looking at it too much as a fan, you'd be in the hater's corner. You would be saying, Maybe. why does the panels not look right and why does this not fit with that exactly? Well, I, that I... Because I can also separate reality from, you know. But I think 
I, I I definitely think that being a huge fan and like trying to find connections that's that in itself is kind of a kind of an mm. issue. Like in other words, really quick when they're going through Arium's database and, and they're just like flashing through it really quickly, I'm just like, oh, are we gonna see the is the NXO one gonna be in there someplace? Is it gonna be like an X, NXO one schematic and just a little oh I like see. in other words, like I'm I think I'm focusing on less important things rather than the more important things. So as a result of that. I decided to just like the other shows and the rest of the franchise for me right now is just noise and so I decided just going into this episode last mm. week the other day I mean, it's too much noise for me yeah I get it I, I'm not saying this is how it is it's for me so I decided yeah. to go into this episode this week and just forget okay about all of that but one counterpoint I want to make is many of our discussions have become very rich is when we are talking about right and comparing it to other shows and things not in a critical canon does it all right. line up way but just in yeah. like a thematic way right. so my recommendation to you is watch it the first time for of course your episode and then watch it again <clears throat> with your trek hat on it's the, and that's the thing it's a trek hat a trek hat and we can you know I'll gladly make canon connections as we're doing these shows but I think when watching it I need to kind of yeah, put that off to the side for a little bit and just focus on what is happening on the screen in front of me. And I think I, I and I think I successfully was able to do that with this episode the other day. What I'd like to try to do is uh, go back to the beginning of the season and just and with that sort of new sensibility, you know, really kind of uh, maybe binge watch and just see you know if, there, if the things I didn't maybe care for too much in the beginning, if my opinion sort of. Uh, changes mm. on that, so uh, that's that's kind of what I wanted to got it to, well, to kind of address, and so and I stand by. And I think the audience who you know commented about that on Twitter, they so the yeah the listeners on Twitter just you know got me to kind of um, you know reexamine the reexamine that a little bit. So um, now here's the thing I'm curious about because sure. do you feel that your commentary last week was infected by that? Is that what you mean? Like, you couldn't... You were being too critical because you had your Trek hat on? I think I think there have been times when, yes, I've been too critical as a result of that. Like, I was saying things like, oh, you know, these scenes with Spock and Burnham, I'm so sick of them fighting. Like, and, and in my head, I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm like, this is not the Spock that I know. Because oh, it's okay. not the Spock I know. This is not that Spock, you know. Because it's not supposed to be. And so, it's... Think of it like something you love as a child. It's not the same thing you recall... Okay. As an adult. Interesting. And that's a good point you know, because And we live in this sorry, this entertainment culture now of like that just lives and breathes nostalgia. Yeah, but that's a good point because so, I remember we disagreed there. I liked the Spock Burnham scenes. Right, so I went back and started watching them and I was like, you know what? Yeah. It makes sense. I like it when we disagree, but that's good. Yeah. Um so Yeah, I I think most of my and I stand by all my critiques and you know, right. I definitely enjoy the show. I would not be doing a podcast on it if I didn't. But right. mine are usually sort of story like based, right. character based. Well, and that's what I want. Not that's where I want to go. That's where I want to spend me myself. I want to sort of head more in that direction as well, rather than just saying, "Well, you know, they reference this episode of Obscure Voyager episode. This is like this, and this is like that." Interesting. I want to see. And these I realize that's kind that, of like my role in some ways, but I would like to see these comments that led you to that. Yeah, I think it was. After. Just, we'll I, think talk it was about just, later. I think it was just two people, but even then, okay, two Still was more than <laughs> Two was more than enough. You know, so. because we got to make the podcast that we want to hear, right. and then we'll find our audience. We shouldn't tailor to the right. audience. Yeah. So I think I can. I think I can provide some much better insights with my Trek hat off. 
Oh, okay. In some ways. Put it on when so. appropriate, though. When appropriate. <clears throat> Wear it selectively. So. All right. Anyway. So, we get um, the mm. reveal, eventually, of the Red Angel. Which I thought was going to actually, and I'm sure everybody else thought, maybe thought, was going to happen in the season finale, which... That would have been terrible. Would have been, I, you know, I think. in retrospect, I think it would have been you terrible. You need to resolve it also. But also, this episode, I felt like I was watching... So, first of all, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time watching it. But I also did feel like I was watching a season finale in some ways. Because I was feeling things wrap up a little bit. I think that, that finding out who the Red Angel is, as much as it's been built up, is actually only one step along the road of stopping the future AI. Right, because if you think about it, we're sort of basing it on the season advertising from early on. That there was this, there was this mystery of the Red Angel, and that's sort of the angle they took. But that wasn't really the... Right. That was just one piece of the overall. Right, but remember, puzzle. we thought our we initially thought about the season. We sort of expected the Red Angel would only last three or four episodes, and they would move on to something right. else. Well, you did. I didn't think that. Okay, yeah. Just like last season when they kept jumping, which I liked. Right. So well, last season, I think they were kind of shedding their Brian Fuller skin in some ways, and they were just sort of figuring things out. Yeah, I think that kind of worked. I liked the way it was. Every couple episodes, it was sort of a different show. Yeah. So in this episode. We have movement on a lot of different plots. Okay. So the overall, I mean, the, there's a lot of things going on, but the overarching plot of this episode is them needing to lure the Red Angel in to capture it. To capture it. Yes. Because we find out that uh, it is indeed Michael, because that was in the uh, database, Arium's database, that, that Project Daedalus... Uh, that there was a bioneural pattern signature, and it was Michael's with the Red Angel. Right. So um, it looks like I think most of the theories that everybody had were wrong. That um, just from what I've seen online, Michael Burnham did not come up very often on these different websites that I saw. Really? That yeah. So I know you were kind of just wondering, you were hoping it'd be somebody from Trek lore, but well, to me hoping- it didn't make any sense if that. Well, I was sort of hoping it would be Pike or uh, Vino. You said Vino, which I was like, which to me sounded insane. But <laughs> I was hoping for something a little insane. I think. I, apparently so. So maybe um, partial part of my being a little sour but, on the episode was that it was not insane. But we were talking before. Unless the episode, it really is. We, we had been talking before the episode ended. And I remember we had you were going with Pike slash Vina, and I was going with Burnham. I said I think it's going to be Burnham. And so I remember you didn't. I think you hadn't watched the episode yet, and I had already watched it. Yes. And you t- you texted me and you're like, just tell me. We're either one of us right. And I just yeah. said, yes. And then after I watched it, I said, well, no, we weren't because of, all we know right now it's her mom. Not well, and okay. And so, that. all right. So even though it's revealed, I know we're kind of jumping ahead to the reveal at the end, but I'm still of the mind that, no, it could still be Michael. It's just an older Michael. They're doing the TV thing where all, where relative looks, where a relative of the main character looks exactly like. So she just thinks it's her mom. So she says, Mom? And then she's going to say, No, no I'm you. Okay. Yeah. That, sure. That could happen. I mean, they said bio, their bioneural, her bioneural signature, which I have to believe that they can. Probably. I, mean, is I don't like know. A fingerprint. I don't know if it's going to. Is it a fingerprint? I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know this kind of thing. So I don't know if that's if that means it's the same person. But. But uh, I, th- I think it's I think it's an old Michael. I think it's an old Michael. She just when she gets old, she looks like her mom. Now that was not Sonequa Martin Green. It was not. Okay. No. 
Um, in a, you for know. a second, though, as the camera was zooming in, I thought it was actually Michelle Yeoh. I thought it was George Yeoh. Like, Me too. I'm like, well, I'm like, is that George Yeoh? I did think it was George Yeoh. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why I was disappointed, too, because that would have been kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah. So, all the plot points, as scattered as they seemed on yeah. viewing, mm-hmm. really all did lead us directly to this trapping of the Red Angel. Right. You start with Arium's funeral, which was fine, I guess. Um, it's not a funeral without the word fun. You know, my critique is just it, that it I was, liked the character of Arium so much, and I wanted more Arium, and then we finally got some depth to the character just to kill her off. But we got Arium, because the original actress is back on the bridge now. I know. Which is <laughs> <laughs> interesting. But it's just so bizarre. It's so twisted. Not really what I had in mind. Right. But... And they're all, I like how they're all just kind of staring at her. She got into the... the yeah, like... Oh, uh, listen. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how did they work this out behind the scenes? Like... <laughs> Yeah, that does seem like there was some conversation of, we're going to kill off your character, but I really want to stay. Okay. Right. You're in a mask, it doesn't matter, we can keep you. I don't know. Something. Um, So then Tilly goes into Arium's memories, or code, or whatever, and finds Project Daedalus, which, last episode, Michael was told she needed to find Find Project Project Daedalus. I could have been like, just give it to me. (laughs) Just tell me. Yeah, just tell me, yeah. I guess maybe she couldn't resist the... um, the power of the but what, what now control you say you said to me earlier we had paused for a second you said put your trek head on for this so we find out that project daedalus is in fact the red angel it's technology built by section 31 as a result of the klingons uh developing time travel they said i think they said 20 years ago and i'm just thinking like that seems so it's okay not a character. Now, I'm, I'm gonna go down there now i will go down this road I will, I will put my trek head on because cause this is an existing character yeah. group. Right. And in, and in Trek's past, no pun intended, I've... I, I can't recall there being any moment where that's... where the Klingons have done something in time travel. Well, just think of what we know about time travel and Which, how a warrior would use... I could not see them using it. If they want to... They said... It even said... Um, oh, their history? They could have gone back in time and wiped us out before we came out of the primordial ooze or something. Yeah. So, I don't think that a warrior culture would do that. No. It's, it's kind of against I think what they did, right? You, I think they, they want to fare... Like, they want to defeat you. I think the only Klingon time travel we saw was the Klingon Bird of Prey in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And those weren't even Klingons doing it. It was Kirk doing it. They just happened to be on a Klingon vessel. And they were just pursuing the Enterprise to engage it directly. So it just didn't... That, that to me, was a little, like, what? Yeah, I couldn't see... The... So, right, so what I'm kind of saying is... That, I don't that, think that they would have been the so temporal trickery. It would totally been the temporal They started to say it. They yeah. said the word temporal. Right. And I thought they were going to say it was a temporal cold war. But yeah, so I just think that's out of character that Klingons would... I couldn't see Klingons, like, going back in time and killing their enemy as a baby. No. Because they're warriors. They would want to have the a Borg battle. Did, the Borg tried to do that. That's, that was, that's a Borg move. That's not right. a Klingon move. But, but I think... They, that could have been. Honest to God, that could have been the temporal cold war. And it would not have required any context to somebody who had never seen because you would just explain it the same way yes except switch out Klingons with you know those reptile people because remember I had said to you what were they called the reptile people the Zindi Zindi oh yeah Um, they did they developed time travel 
yeah. on Enterprise. They could have just said Zindi. Wouldn't that have been great? You know how much we love callbacks uh, to Enterprise. We're putting Z- our trick hat on. I don't care. The Zindi are back at it again. No, but I, I, it seemed yeah, it seemed very odd for the Klingons to be to be doing that. And I think it could have been the temporal Cold War again because like, again, a couple weeks ago when that probe came back, it was five hundred years in the future, which just happens to be where Future Guy was from. So I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't so. see the Klingon using time travel. They would just invent a better weapon that they could kill you in person with. They wouldn't go back in time and no. erase you from existence. I mean, I could only see... The only benefit I would see would, would be them going back and, like, maybe, like, wanting to meet Kalos or something like that. But, like... Yeah, that wouldn't to, threaten us at all. Not to change history. Yeah, that wouldn't threaten us. Yeah. Unless they want to, like, rewrite their history because they feel like, oh, you know, we lost this battle. We should go back and change that. But even then... Yeah. So, odd. Yeah, that was that was a strange... That, that, that I was not expecting. But you know what? Hmm. I don't trust Leland. So he might be full of well, shit. I, Saru said to him exactly what I think every audience member was thinking. It's like he said, "I have no, um, I have no doubt that you're going to do whatever you can to protect us and to protect your crew." But I, I still, I really feel like there's something you're not telling us. Yes. So that's a good point too. Yeah. Nothing. We can't trust anything Section Thirty One says. No. So be prepared for that not to actually be the case. Yeah, I mean it's it's, but it's strange to me that this section thirty one being responsible for the Red Angel, like it's 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 strange to me that that's only coming up now. I don't know. I feel like there were opportunities for that to come up before, despite the fact that they said everything is basically on a need to know basis. Like we'll say it when we when the time is right. Right. There certainly was a lot going down. Yeah. That they just watched happen without telling people the full story. Right. They are a clandestine agency, and that's how they're going to stay. For now. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so then, we also get the reveal when Michael confronts Leland. Finally. About Ma and Pa Michael. Right. So, um, do you think it would have been more effective if they didn't mention this a few weeks ago when we just found this, and we found it out fresh in this episode? Because Giorgio kind of set it off to the side at the end of an episode a few weeks ago. And we were like, wait, what? And then... I'm sort of torn because... I think it would have had more dramatic effect if they saved it for this. One of my complaints about the show is when things come out of nowhere that have not been seeded earlier. Um, But that came out of nowhere back in that episode. It came out of nowhere back in that episode, but that was seeding this. So, but seeding things, in effect, are coming out of nowhere. Well, okay. Now, I know I've been using this term, and I've, I've sort of, but that's... Stupendous? Poor writing. <laughs> so, if you can seed things where they don't seem like they're coming out of nowhere, where they come, they happen naturally, or you can seed things where it just... You chuck in a couple of lines, seemingly after the script has been written, about something totally disconnected. I think, I think the reason why it came out of nowhere that time was because it, there was all this other stuff going on that it just seemed like... It seemed irrelevant. We were like, wait, what? And it seemed like a huge irrelevant thing right. to bring in. And I'm not saying you couldn't have done it. I just didn't feel like that episode, when it was done, that was the time to do it. But Right. And the other thing was that since we almost never heard Michael talk about her parents beyond the first episode or two. Right. That's why it seemed like it came out of nowhere. Because there was no mystery. There was no lingering questions about their death. It was just, oh, they were killed by Klingons. That was it. Right. So that's why it felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, 
So, I like that they tried to seed it. I just don't think it was successful. Hmm. Yeah, it was a very, yeah, very, very, very strange way of doing it. But, um, but she finally got the, I mean, she was able to kind of get the, the, well, I don't want to say she wanted to get the justice for it, but maybe in some ways she did. But it was always, the, she always believed it was the Klingons that right. She, it, so. she got the whole story. Yeah. But before she got the whole story, she already thought she had the whole story. That's why it didn't seem very satisfying. Because yeah. she already completely believed that it was just the Klingons. Yeah, because we found out her parents actually worked for Section 31. Right. And they just, they weren't able. And she's like, why didn't they tell me? And he's like, they, you know, what do you say? It was classified or something like that? Yeah. I thought to myself, yeah, but she was also like, she was like 10 years old, for God's sakes. Right. I'm sure it is tough to think your parents are one thing, and then you find out there's something else. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was interesting but that she didn't it, know what was going on. But even before that, though, it kind of led to a nice moment, I thought, between her and Giorgio when she wanted to kind of ask Giorgio, like, are you really telling me everything? Right. And... But there's like a really good emotional moment where she just kind of stops her and she got serious and she's just like, she says, Philippa. And you finally like really for the first time see kind of like almost almost like a tender side with, with Emperor Giorgio. I think somewhat. I mean, it was close. But I'm completely, I don't, I, this is another thing I think has been an issue. It's Every it's time Giorgio opens her mouth. Yeah. I don't trust anything that she says. Literally. Well, every single thing she says, I think, because she this has, is probably bullshit. Well, because she has two things against going against her. She was the Terran Emperor. That's the only one now, I need. And she's in, Right. And now she's in Section 31. Yeah. No, the Terran so, Emperor one's all I need. I mean, I've seen enough of the Mirror but, Universe to know. You don't trust anybody from the Mirror Universe. But also, I, t- I think of it like this. Even though she's from the Mirror Universe, she still had a connection with Michael over there, too. And I think that is something... Even though it's not the same Michael, it's not the same, from her perspective, it's not the same Michael, and from Michael's perspective, it's not the same Philippa, that bond between the two of them, I think, still, still, I mean, it's going to sound corny to say, but that bond between them still spans universes. And what I see is that, what I understand of the mirror universe, and what I've seen always of it in this show, is that people in the mirror universe are not capable of the type of bonds that people in the regular universe have. They are right. all completely about self-centered. They are about what is going to benefit loyalty. them. They want loyalty. They want loyalty, but they won't give it. Right. There's no trust. So if that is the case, uh, I'm going to need to see more about it. And maybe that's good because, but I, I keep expecting the other shoe to drop with Philippa yeah. that, She's just going to reveal it's all been part of my plot. Well, I mean, you're le- we're led to believe that, and rightly so. The show tells us, and other old older Trek shows have told us in the past that we can't that Section Thirty One is bad and it can't be trusted. So, and we've seen every and we've seen. I mean, there's that. everyone we've seen in Section Thirty One is more or less kind of a despicable mm-hmm. person. Though they didn't frame Spock, so that's. No, control did. A chalk. Control uh, attempt. Check in their right. corner or something. That's yeah. That's a great metaphor. Right. So. Um, but, yeah, it, it, to me it seemed a little... On the one end, I wasn't surprised that the Red Angel was... Uh, you know, that wasn't a big reveal to me that the Red Angel was actually Section 31 technology. I'm just like, okay, well, now that makes sense. Mm. But... Well, what did yeah. you think about Leland, Michael punching Leland? 
I mean, he deserved it. I mean, in spite of the fact that he said, I'm so sorry. I mean, we were finally, we were kind of seeing the human side of a Section section 31 officer. But it's like, I think with Michael, just after all the shit that she's been through, Mm -hmm. not just with what happened to her parents, but all these other things that have happened to her as well. Mm -hmm. Again, I just think the pot boiled over and she just, this is the first time, really, she's kind of lashed out at somebody. Yeah. After all this stuff, and I th- but I think I don't think it, I don't think she punched. I don't think her result the punching him was the result of just the parents. It was just everything else that was going yeah. on, where she just probably wanted to punch him. Spock a few times, right? And didn't. And I mean, even when she was um, in the gym, you know, she and she said to Spock, you know, you're no offense, but you're the last person I want to speak to right now. I will say though, after she, even though she punched him out, it led to a great scene. I thought between Michael and Spock. Yes, and I, that scene felt earned. Because I really thought... What I was really fearful of was that, given the tense situation between Spock and Michael, that it was just... I thought this was going to be the reason. Because when Spock was saying, I can't forgive you before this, and just suggesting that there was always going to be a rift between them, I thought that was really, truly going to be the reason why we never heard about Michael throughout the... I thought he just was basically disowning her from that point on for the rest of the time that he exists, basically. Right, and I was very glad to see this very earned moment because yeah. I, I think that's another thing that when I'm critical of the show, I feel like there are moments that are not earned. Right. And that's actually the way I would describe Arium's funeral and the emotion behind it. I felt like it wasn't really earned. Yeah, We just got that little snippet of everyone's relationship with her. I think, but I think even with Spock, and this is going to sound maybe a little, um, not redundant, but a little, <laughs> a little odd. When he, when Spock went to her after that, Mm-hmm. moment it really showed I thought his human side yes he was going to console her so. he went to console her and he and he was and he forgave her you know he realized that you know what you were living was a lot you were living you were told a lie basically and because of that I mean nothing everything here that you in like you were but he was suddenly also understandable understanding about what she also did as a child like when he said like yeah but you were just a child mm. I wanted to say to myself, yeah, but you didn't think, you didn't have that attitude a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you right. were willing to kind of hold all that against her. Right. But nevertheless, it was nice to see them sort of patch things up and just really yes. kind of start fresh again. But I do think Spock's critique of her behavior in general is yeah. still there and it's still super valid. Right. That she wants to control everything. She wants to save everyone. She knows better than everyone else. Yeah. And she's going to do whatever she believes is best. Which I think is good. I love that, this, you know, conflict between them. But it also goes back to a very, you know, and I was thinking about this too, it also kind of calls back to a very sort of, to the Enterprise days, when Vulcans would, you know, label us humans as like too impulsive and too this and too that. And like he was sort of doing, I feel like he's kind of doing the same thing with her. He's sort of regarding Michael and the way she behaves the same way the Vulcans viewed the humans of the Enterprise era. So you think it's he's self-loathing human, like he doesn't like his half-human side. He's taking it out on Michael, sort of. Or well, no, I think human behavior. What, what I'm saying is, I think he he's he's critiquing Michael the same way the Vulcans critiqued us during the Enterprise era. Maybe not not as extreme, right? But he's I, I just kind of yeah. But given kinda, that he is half-human, he's also critiquing his human half. Oh, he is. He is, but I also did like a scene, a moment a couple weeks ago where, you know, um, Michael kind of threw it back in his face by saying, you're, you know, 
you're not you're a terrible human you're 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 bad at being a human yeah and that's he, part of who you are you're bad at being a human and he and he tried to play it off like that was good yeah why would I want to be good at being a human right exactly terrible um, but it was a ve- it was a, it was a good scene it was a, it was a really kind of um, nice sort of classic Star Trek moment I thought between two characters and I actually I enjoyed I enjoyed it quite a bit I liked it too and like I said I've been loving watching their relationship develop yeah. they both know each other so well mm-hmm. that they really are able to kind of understand each other's motives and really criticize each other really well so it's been I loved watching those scenes of them just you know cutting to the bone in their insults and the way they're talking to each well, other well in, in some ways they're I think in some ways their lives right now are sort of are sort of um, paralleling in some ways I mean Burnham was told a lie about her parents and you know Spock somebody's spreading lies about Spock trying to convince people that he's you know he's he committed murder which is not the case mm. so they're both kind of they're both kind of dealing with these sort of deceptions in their lives and I think they're on in some ways I feel like they're kind of walking similar paths mm. yeah so that leads us to Tyler and Michael another important relationship for Michael yeah the one that I'm not a fan of no neither am I I don't. I see no need for Tyler in this, in this overall arc. Like, like Giorgio is part of Section Thirty One. Giorgio joined Section Thirty One. Tyler to me adds nothing to to the fray of all of this, and him being on Discovery doesn't. You know, you have that sort of, you have that odd tension between him between him and Pike for a while. But Which I did enjoy that. You did enjoy. I that. liked the tension part. I didn't like that they resolved it. Honestly, I just right. liked the tension. It's sort of like now that it's resolved, why is he there? Well, what I expect may be the case is yep. that he is going to shift loyalties away from Section Thirty One and toward Michael and the Discovery crew. Oh, he may be so. their person on the inside that you know helps mm. them to figure out whatever the hell it is that they're trying to do. Because we definitely don't have the whole story from them. So you think maybe he's giving them sort of like a. He's not really being loyal. He's just pretending that he is. He's, well, in, he's infiltrating in some ways. What I hope is that he will be faced with a choice at some point. Because I don't believe that whoever they just captured, that they are actually going to just get some information and send them on their way. Yeah, like, I don't I don't totally buy that, that Tyler is to- is completely with... I think if he had to... With Section 31, if he had to make a choice, like, right now, I feel like he would go with Michael. I don't, I don't totally buy his allegiance to Section 31. Definitely. Yeah. Or he wouldn't be talking to Michael the way he is. No. Unless he's that cold-hearted and he's just getting information. Which... Right. So before so before we continue, I just want to go back to that scene really quickly with um, Michael and Leyland. Um, it's a really interesting scene of um, exposition. It's the same scene where he's telling her about um, how her parents died. But what he, what he mentions to her, interestingly enough, is about how, as a result of time travel... There are these, throughout history, there are these great technological leaps, to which you say is a, it's a theory. Right. He mentions that that's why they had to develop the range right. of tech, because they felt that leaps in technology were because of time travel. Right. I don't know what they were going to do. Were they going to stop leaps? Were they going to cause leaps? I don't know. But this is a, but this is also a, and that's directly resulted in, um, you know, a specific episode of Voyager called Future's End. Which, um, you know, the, the general gist of that episode, I know you're not a huge Voyager fan, but uh, it's in the third season. And there's a, 
a man in the 20th century who gets a hold of a crashed 29th century Federation timeship, and he uses it to travel forward in time and bring back all this technology, thus ushering in the computer age of today, basically. Mm. And um, the plot of that episode is Janeway and her crew get somehow tied up in this whole thing, and obviously they have to stop him because he wants to go into the 29th century and bring back more technology because he's running out of, you know... Yeah, technology basically, and so he's already given us Amazon and Pornhub, and now right. he needs more. Right, and a result of that is if he if he if he goes into the 20th century and tries to steal any more technology, for some reason he'll cause the entire solar system to explode. <laughs> I, I, they don't really explain how that will happen, but whatever. I mean, they need some kind of danger, right? That is a fantastic reminder, though, of when I get on these little things about discovery where i say well that doesn't really that's not quite logically sensible i sometimes forget right that doesn't really need you don't really need that and this is not the worst defense. and they say that in the episode if you go into the 29th century you'll destroy earth's solar system and i think to myself like what what is he gonna do like what causes that to so they never time? lay out the exact and the thing is it's not happen it's not even Earth. It's the entire solar system now. Only the solar system, though. <laughs> not the, time itself. No, just just just, just Earth. It's just Earth's solar system. And they never or, explain the mechanics of how that works. No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> not at all. All right. Which just goes to show you how far Trek has come in, in such a in such a. No, they're still using time crystals. So. No, what I'm saying is that as a that being the problem that that's going to cause this like. And every time I watch the episode, it's a great. Ep- and by the way, it's a great episode. But like, I just think about like, but. Now, as a viewer, like, okay, I obviously I know that's not going to happen, but it's like we just gotta roll with. But I have to think to myself, like, but what would cause that to happen? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's kind of like so, when I remember even being a very young person and watching um, Superman film when he right. flew around the Earth and made it go backwards, and then time went backwards. And I remember even as a kid just thinking, but that wouldn't happen. It would just everything would just get all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> the wouldn't, time wouldn't go backwards because the earth was spinning the wrong way. Right. No, things would just go in reverse like you're rewinding a... Uh, no, it just... Tape. You just really, like, the earth, like, the gravity would get all fucked up and we'd just be, it'd be horrible. <laughs> we'd just all die. Right, but also, Superman isn't real. So... That's beside the point. So, <laughs> there's that. But of course, no. someone that can fly and is super strong is not real, but... Other than that, everything has to operate but, within physics. But anyway, so Discovery is sort of remaining, consi- is sort of in some ways remaining consistent uh, with that, despite the fact that in Voyager's case, it's not specifically what the same sort of circumstances have dis- as Discovery. Well, but, but the same fa- the same result, the same particular. result. That, well, that we know. Yeah, of. He just says yeah. technological advances, right? Caused by time travel, he never mentions. He, well, he generalizes it, so it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have to specifically be. Well, this is because of Section Thirty One. This is because, the fact that it has happened other ways, but it has happened nevertheless. So, um, what has happened? That technological advances have happened as a result of time travel. Yeah, but he's not talking. Right. No, but he's talking about like you know. With he's just saying like I'm saying he's just making a generalization. Yes, yes. So he could yeah. mean the computer age. We don't know. Right, but what I'm saying is just that in Voyager's case, even though it's a result of time travel, it's not the same type. It's not the same circumstances as Discovery. Like in this, he's talking about the Red Angel, sort of. But in in Voyager's case, it's like it's a Federation time shift from the 29th century. No, no, no. He's not talking about the Red Angel. 
he talked about why they created the Red Angel in the first place. Right. They well, created okay. the Red Angel because they thought someone was moving. I, no, what, what I'm saying is the cause. The, um, what I'm saying is the cause of the time travel in both cases is different, but it's time travel nevertheless. But what's the cause of the time travel that he's talking about? We don't know. We don't know, but given, I don't think it's a big leap to say that it's not that it's the Red Angel because we've seen the Red Angel time traveling already. No, 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 no. All right. I know this time travel, just like Janeway says, this time travel stuff, the past is the future. Future is the future. past. The past, past gives me a headache. Yeah, so I'm getting a headache right now. Okay, so. All right. Let's say they come up with this theory that time travel is causing these. Right, and, and I'm saying I'm on board with that. Okay, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. So they come up with that theory. Then they say, how do we deal with this theory? Then they create the Red Angel. Right. So. Unless it's one of those goofy paradoxes of like, you go back in time to stop the assassination of Kennedy and you're the one who does it, mm-hmm. then they created the Red Angel to counter whatever was time traveling in the first place. Which was the Klingons. But they said the theory of, well, the Klingons are not time traveling to give humans technological advancements. Right. But that's why the Red Angel was created, to counter what the Klingons were doing. So he was just saying that the Klingons were getting tech by time travel. He was just mentioning that the Klingons were developing time travel. Right. And so we did too. What I'm saying is on Voyager, it's just time travel. It's a different person doing it. It's not Section 31. It's actually Starfleet in the 29th century. All I'm saying is it's just a result. It's Even though it's still time travel, it's somebody different doing it. So it was Starfleet. The, the, theor- the theory is the same. It's just the the circumstances around it are different. Got it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You still don't seem convinced. No, because Leland never... They never said that they figured out who was doing the time traveling and advancing of um, technology. Leland never said who. I mean, he said that he had mentioned that the Klingons were doing it. But that was separate from his advancements in technology conversation. But I don't think it matters, though. Then, according to I'm just Leland, saying. I'm just saying. Voyager specifically states that it's somebody from Starfleet from the 29th right. century that has time traveled that is that has crashed in the 20th century. Somebody from that century takes his vessel, goes into the 20, goes into the future, brings technology back, thus ushering in yes time time travel as a result. Basically, okay, got it. We're kind of talking in circles. We're, no. we're, we're, we are, because we're both kind of picking up what we're putting down. In other words, the same thing is happening. Time travel is, re- in both cases, is resulting in advances in time. Yes, but what I'm saying is that how do we know... Uh, it's not, but I'm just right. playing a thought game here. How do we know that what Leland's talking about is not the same thing that happened in Voyager? Because all he says is that some we have a theory that some technology advancements have been caused by time travel. So there's nothing in what he says that precludes it well, from being in his the same case, situation. Right, but in his case, he says it's a theory. Yeah. But by the time Voyager happens, that theory is reality. That's actually what's happening. Well, right, but Leland wouldn't know that yet. So he, No, I know that. Right. So Leland could be building his theory on the same event that happened. Possibly. I mean, I don't... That's all yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just spent ten minutes on this for six. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be good listening. Let us know. Uh, Disco podcast. Because we were both we were both confusing each other basically. No, I was never confused. <laughs> you were you were because you weren't really following what I was saying. No, I got what you were saying. Jesus. 
Um, let oh. us know if that was good listening on uh, Disco Pod. Yeah, Disco as you podcast. say, let us know what you're doing while you're listening. Um, yes, let us know what you're doing while you're listening. Are you baking a cake? Are you going for a jog? Are you walking the dog? Um, but despite this, I'm still... We're still not clear where, where uh, 2053 fits into all of this. And I tweeted out this the other day. I said, I just want to be sure I didn't miss anything. Do we yet know how this fits in? And we still don't know. New Eden. We don't know where of that... Course. We don't know what... We don't yet know how that fits in. And the reason... And I think the reason we don't know is because this episode more or less establishes that the Red Angel has appeared every time Michael Burnham herself was in peril. Right. In some ways. Michael Burnham was not in peril in the year 2053. She didn't even exist yet. Right. So why... Why the fuck did the Red Angel go back to 2053 and bring people from the past into the... That's the wild not from, not from the past, but why did... did she didn't do that. But why did move the... Move people in Move space. people in space, yeah. basically. And that's yeah. another thing. The Red Angel literally picked up a church and transported it across the galaxy. It's a good point. The Red Angel has not done anything like that again. Yeah. Literally moved objects and people from one place to another. That would have been a much better way to save Michael from the big creature than... Or any of the times right. that she, the Red Angel did anything. Right. Um, it's a good point. Because the Red so Angel... that's the, still that's the outlier that still keeps the, outlier. the mystery going, which I Because like. I was saying that every... We can construct all kinds of theories about everything else, but we still can't... Like what the Red Angel was doing. But we still... And tie them all together. But we still cannot tie 2053 in at all. Right, and that's the that's that's the part that kind of frustrates me a little bit. Well, here's like, where the thing, does that, though. and they're going to revisit it. But, but consider this: what if it really is? Now we're now we're getting to the reveal, which we haven't really talked about. But what if it really is Michael's mother and not Michael? I can't explain the bio signature or whatever, right. but maybe the mother has a connection to New Eden that Michael did not. Possibly, but I don't know what. Here's an idea. Could there be one, think about this, one think of about Michael's this. descendants? Or yes, early, think about this. You know. A descendant, right? Yeah. That wouldn't change the history of the family to move them. Like, let's say it was a grandparent that already had the kid, and the kid moved away. That would then well, Spock later did. Have well, Spock, Spock did mention the grandfather paradox about how Michael. Yeah, and, Michael and can't die. Were because we supposed Mike, to know what the grandfather paradox was? Do you not know what the grandfather paradox is? No. Oh. Am I supposed to? Well, what is it? <laughs> well, no. The grandfather paradox is is that if you kill your t- grandfather, you disappear. You, right, but the Back more. to the Future paradox. Well, no, but there's more to it than that. So, okay. let me let me start from the beginning. Right, so, if well. you're a time traveler, you go back and kill your grandfather mm-hmm. or grandmother. Thus, as a result, your parents are not born. Yep. And then you and then you're not born. Okay. But you can't do that because if you kill them, that means you were and you prevented yourself from being born. That means you were never born to come back and change it to begin with, to go back and kill them to begin with. That's why time travel is fake, <laughs> right? Yeah. So another so and what they're saying is that's why the Red Angel saved Michael every time because if Michael is allowed to die, that means that the Red Angel was not able to travel into all these places and do and say and do that and and save Michael. Yeah. So, the only thing that we have is that it's, you know, there must be some relation to twenty fifty three and World War Three at that 
time to Michael, but I would think that when Michael's explaining World War III, she would have known... Or maybe she doesn't know. I don't know. But I, but well, I, I don't know much about relatives. You're assuming something, though. Well, I am. I, that's but all I can do. Let me tell you what you're assuming. Yeah. You're assuming that the Red Angel, whoever it is, Michael or her mom, is operating only out of this strict logical, we are keeping Michael alive. What you're not accounting for is emotion. Don't forget. Humanity has emotion. What if they know that their great-great-grandfather was killed in that, mm-hmm. and it's just out of sentimentality that they do it? It's not impossible. I mean, maybe, but I'm I'm also going by what the characters have said on the show, and that it seems that the Red Angel only appears when Michael's in peril. And that's what they use as bait to lure the Red <laughs> Angel. We know Michael was not in peril there. Well, I I know that. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, that's why I'm coming up with all. That's why theories. you know. That's but that's why I'm assuming that maybe there's some connection that we're not aware of. Right, but I'm yeah. saying maybe there's a connection, but it's not necessarily to protect Michael. Possibly, but um, you know. Yeah. So, do you Waiting think for that, explanation? that it is Michael, or I still think it's Michael. Michael's mom. Because, I, like I said, I think they're doing the TV show thing when, or the movie thing, when a you have a character who has a parent. When that character gets older, they look. They end up looking exactly like their parent. And I think that's what's. I think that's what's. I, I like. That's what I think is happening. I don't think it's Michael's mom. Interesting. It could make sense because Michael's mom was involved in Project Tableless to begin with. Yep. So and she could have put Michael's bio signature. Uh, let's put it this way: for me, it's a 50-50 chance either way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm directly on the fence and could go either way. Yeah. Yeah. It's one or the other. I don't feel more strongly about one than the other. Yeah. Because both because both to me make sense. I'm not sure either. Yeah. I think the mom would make more sense for the New Eden thing because then there's a lends the possibility of things that we, we don't know. Right. That she knows. And Michael doesn't know. That yeah, and the New Eden thing I was going to say, maybe I would think that Michael would know if she had a relative there, but at the same time, I mean, do you know anything about your family from 300 years ago? No. Not yeah, at all. I mean, who does? Yeah. Who does, like, right off the top of their head? You know, Michael yeah. may not realize that. Unless you've been... If, if, if there is some I'm connection sure some to... some people do. If there is some connection to Michael Burnham from the year 2053, I mean... There's no reason to believe she would know that information right off the top of her head. Right. So. And what happens is, they lay a trap. Now, the trap's interesting for a number of reasons. First, Michael Burnham has to die in order for this trap to work. Yeah. Now, the plan is, they need the information that the Red Angel has. Mm-hmm. So they're going to trap the Red Angel. Even though the Red Angel, they already know, is trying, is helping them. They feel that they know how it can help better than it does. Right. So they're going to trap it. Now, the thing that initially struck me was as uh, I believe it was Tilly was explaining how it works, the Red Angel. Mm -hmm. The suit holds open a part of the portal. Yeah. And that is like an anchor that allows it to be pulled back to where it was. Right. So what they seal that thing. So what they're going to do is. They're going to hold it in one place. Then they're going to shoot the opening and seal it. Yep. And then they're going to have it trapped. I was surprised that never once no one considered the fact that maybe by doing this, we are trapping this person in this time, never to be able to return to their time, because we don't know how this thing works. Right. Because if it's all based on an anchor in a window, and you're going to hold it, 
sever the anchor and close the window, mm. it seems like you could be putting the, the Red Angel in jeopardy. Well, the person, maybe, but not the suit. Because I mean, well, we don't know... Well, right. Because the suit, I think, should be... Is of their time. Is of the tw- 23rd century. Like, the suit's not from the future, right? Because Section well, 31 was developing it. But it probably got some upgrades over the hundreds of years that followed. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean... Yeah, so I was going to say maybe this maybe the suit's not out of time, but the person in it is. But yeah, as to your point, as a result of time travel, that could have all changed. Yes. Yeah. So I find it interesting that Michael's very concerned. You're not going to, you know, hurt her, me, yeah. right? But never does she ever consider. But are you going to strand her in this time, never to be able to return to her own time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either, but. That's going to be the uh, potential dilemma, but... Um, yeah, but no one never came up. Maybe it'll come up next week. Hopefully. <laughs> what did you think of the trap? Uh, I mean, I, I I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a very emotional scene. I mean, Michael died. She sacrificed herself. She forced him to let her die. Oh, oh I thought you meant like the literal, the literal, literal trap. Um, yeah, I mean, watching Michael die was kind of... The the bridge characters watching it happen, were, you know, we were in the same... Yeah. Us as viewers were in the same situation as they were, and... Yeah. I mean, look, I knew she wasn't going to actually die. Right. But well, she was going to die for a minute. For a minute. <laughs> Just for a minute. Um, My thought was, if I were on the bridge crew, I would say, do we actually need a video feed of this? Do you know what's going to happen? Can we just turn it off? Do we have to listen? Can you just... Keep us surprised. Yeah, just we know she's gonna die. I don't want to watch it. We'll go back to uh, little... you know scrubbing the warp plasma manifolds. Can you just give us a surprise of what's going on over there? <laughs> they, they had two cameras on there. They had two cameras that's on there. That's true. That's true. Um, but it was interestingly, it was sort of a parallel to Arium last yeah. week, where in a way, yeah, she had to say no, like let me right. do this, also make a sacrifice. So that, that was a nice callback. I mean, what do you think of like Spock of like them wanting to stop oh. and Spock kind of turns the phaser on them and says no? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It reminds me of, you know, Spock on um, in the Menagerie. He had his logic back, basically. I mean, he was saying no. Because I like how Culver's like, she's going to die. And he says, yes, that's the idea. That's the whole idea. Yeah. It reminds me very much of Spock in the Menagerie when he's, you know, he, he'll go rogue when he has to go rogue. I love it. Yeah. I think rogue Spock is my favorite Spock. He does it for all the right reasons, though. Because like. he, he's so certain in his logic that mm-hmm. he is right that it's yep. just... I'm going to turn my phaser on you because I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, and I and you know, and I think that the actor playing Spock has really sort of come into his own with this character now. And I really, again, my only other complaint, if any, my only complaint is I, I still think he has an insanely deep voice. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, that's and that's just and that's nitpicky. Oh, totally. Yeah. And um, we were looking at pictures of him not as Spock earlier. Yeah. And uh, once again, I think the beard is what makes it all work. Because yeah. he does not look at all like Spock when he doesn't no. have a beard. But, but what it made me think of, and I've been pushing this for a while on the show, Anson Mount is Batman. Mm-hmm. Peck, Superman. Look at him without his beard. Seriously, folks at home. Google it. Look at him without his beard. You think, got you got two think heavy Kal-El. You got the two heavy hitters of DC, uh, you know, serving on the Enterprise. I'm gonna um, Photoshop that up later. But I also remember what I was saying to you this uh, earlier. Um, I, I'm wondering if at the end of the season, the last episode of the season, 
they're going to sort of go back to normal when they go back to the Enterprise. And we're going we to see Spock back in his uniform with the old I think we're going to see him with the blue shirt. Yep. Cleanly shaven. He's got the yep. Spock hair. And we're going to be like, oh. I think we're going to see him leaning over and looking into like a little binocular thing connected to oh, his right. desk. Yeah, because they have to get back in order in time for their uh, spinoff, right? Yes. Which, no, which, no. Which, which by the way, no by the way, by the way, by the way. So... We're now in bonus content. We are in bonus content. content. Somebody commented they love bonus content time, time by the way. Are you serious? Can, I, on Twitter, yeah. You oh gotta, you gotta follow How do you not tell me this? I, I just, I forget. I get lost in our, I get lost in our, I get lost in our notifications. Okay, okay. okay. Then um, catch up. You just need to, you just, you just need to, you just need to follow it. Do you follow us? I follow us, maybe. We'll figure it out after. I do all the tweeting, for God's sakes. Like, I should give you the it's login true. info. He does. You should. <laughs> and to the, all right, we'll talk about this anyway, later. This is um, bonus content. Yeah, so somebody said they loved it. Um, <laughs> that makes me so happy. Thank you, listener who loves this. Ah, thank you. May have even said it in all caps, but I can't recall. <gasps> I think there was definitely an exclamation point. Oh, my heavenly. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all, everything's coming up, Ethan. It's all a result of time travel. Um, uh, oh, yes, so. It was most actually no it wasn't clickbait so i'm 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 surfing the the web the other day and i i see this article i think it's on either trek movie or trek or something it says says, um, uh two major star trek discovery characters not (laughs) returning for season three and i'm like oh my god who (laughs) and i and i click on it and it says anson mount i'm like okay well and then rebecca romaine stamos i'm like she was in for like (laughs) three minutes yeah wow it's, it's you got to put Peck on there too. Three. I know Pike out. and number one are not returning. Okay, first of all, number one is not a major character. Okay, yeah, and number two, I think we knew that he was not going to be able to stay. We know Obviously, he has to go we back. Know to he the goes end. back to the. He Enterprise. has to go back to the. We don't know when, but right. he has to. We know he has to go back to the Enterprise. Yes, and we know. And that. he says, and didn't he say in episode one? Didn't he say it was temporary? Yes. Right. Yes. Yes, totally. So I do believe that we're going to see Click Spock in the blue tunic. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. We do see his blue tunic when she goes up with the Enterprise, but... I think it's going to be fantastic. He's going to be wearing it. It's going to be fantastic. I think we're going to get a some short skirts. Some red railings. Some Totally some red railings. I think it's going to be great. I, I, I still I strongly feel that, you know, because, <laughs> because the Enterprise is in space dock right now... It's going to... I don't want to see that. He's doing the loot thing. So, I was, yeah, I was pretending to be Spock playing his... Uh, his loot. His loot. Um, his no, I, loot. I still strongly believe that if we see the Enterprise come out of Space Talk, it's going to come out... Because I say, this this season is all about lining up with canon and explaining any deviations. I, I strongly believe that we're going to see the Enterprise come out of Space Talk looking exactly as it does... In yes. 1966. Me too, me too, me too. Plywood. Exterior, and all. <laughs> interior, and all. And, and, you know, and I was thinking about this too. <laughs> interior. I was thinking about something else too. The interior, right? You know, mm-hmm. people were thinking, oh, you know, we're going to see the bridge. I think they were kind of, I mean, granted, we have four episodes left, right? Mm-hmm. But I think they were really smart to not show us the interior because I think they changed enough of the ship on the outside. Yeah, but if they show the inside and it looks more like Discovery, even though yeah, yeah, we know that's probably what it would look like. But I think they sort of were smart to kind of, at least for now, avoid yeah doing that and just leave us to believe. No, it, 
All right, <laughs> maybe it still looks yeah. like the way it does. But I do love that they dropped that hint earlier when Pike yes. said, Don't "Just rip out all the holo- holographic um, communicators; right. they're useless anyway." Yeah, they look like you know. But if they do show the interior, like I do want to see, I want to see goosenecks, like goosenecks, railings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, <clears throat> I want to see, <laughs> I want to see people training in the hallways how to jump, kick the wall, and land butt first on someone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think the, the the slight redesign of the exterior of the Enterprise, and again, it was very slight. It wasn't. It wasn't that. No, it was a little different. more. A little more angular. A little more angular. Like, it was just, like almost like you put italics on it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I know. From a to a uh, from a non graphic designer to a graphic designer, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but I mean, you still knew what ship it was. It still looked, it still looked fine, and. But I think maybe in one way that was that was kind of I feel like in some ways it was that was kind of a dangerous thing to do, right? Because you had to the the aesthetic of the Enterprise had to match Discovery's aesthetic of the show. It had to fit into Discovery's aesthetic, mm. and I think that was maybe as far that was as much as they should have done. Yeah, I mean, don't I, go down this because let's think about it. It's a dangerous path. Yeah. It's a dangerous path because it's a dangerous path because of all these psychotic fans who flip out, right? Yeah, but and honestly, like, I mean, we've had this discussion before. We have, and yeah. like the safest bet is don't show more of it. Just do yeah. show that. That's fine. That's enough. But honestly, when I saw it, it I think that there's like you talked about taking your truck hat off. I think these people have like nine truck hats on because yeah. when I saw it, I just thought, ah, oh, it's the Enterprise. It's incredible. <laughs> that's all I thought. Right, but also at the same time. I mean, when you if you look at the Enterprise again on the show, mm-hmm. the only aside from it maybe looking a little bit more detailed, right? God forbid. <laughs> the the only major difference are the nacelle struts. They're pushed back. Yeah, they're, they're not straight. Yeah, that's really the only huge difference between the two. Yeah, well, I'm sure people want it to be made out of plaster. I don't know. I want to see somebody make Discovery look like it fit on TOS. That's what I want to see. I want to oh, see a TOS version of Discovery. Wow, that would be brilliant. There's got to be uh, there's got to be some fan art out there somewhere. If there is, please somebody direct it to me. I gotta. I'm gonna go search on DeviantArt. You can make it so in a plaster of Paris. I want, but I want to see somebody like you know either do it in 3D Studio Max or like maybe design an Illustrator. Like I want to see a 1960s rendition of what. The USS Discovery would look yeah. like if it did appear on the original series, or at least Photoshop the cast into the old uniform. Someone must have done that. Yeah, um, I do wonder with this Red Angel time travel stuff. Do you think the Do you think all the Do you think the look of the original series is a result of time technological advancements or non-advancements or are the result of? Uh... I do like your theory that whatever this attack is is going to happen and wipe out their tech, except for yeah. Like, yep, set them back technologically. Or, think about it. They just mentioned being moved forward technologically. Something could... That's what I'm saying. So Something could... You go back technologically. Yeah. Hmm. Because so. this is this is the... This is the kind of problem. Uh, I know we've had this discussion like this several times in the past, but when you... Even factoring in Discovery... When you look at and and think of the shows in chronological order, right? You start with Enterprise. Mm-hmm. We know how it looks now. Visually, how the show looks. Do you 
see discovery visually as a extension of what we saw in enterprise i do yes absolutely right now then you have the original series which you know because again we're going um chronologically chronologically. that looks strange yes it doesn't you know because and we know the real reason why yeah but then you get the then you get the movies the motion picture all right okay now for me i see i can i i clearly see a a um a, uh, a a lineage there between I can see I believe a lineage between Discovery and the motion picture. Hmm. I definitely see a lineage between motion picture and Next Generation. Oh, definitely from from the motion picture on. Perfect. Yes, I see the evolution there. Mm-hmm. And you know, people online are like, oh, you know, again saying Discovery looks too advanced. And I think to myself, well, what is it about it? What 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 is it that you think is advanced? What makes it look too yeah, advanced? You know, like, oh, you know, all these big consoles and stuff. I go, yeah, but you're. T-, I'm like, yeah, but you don't know how it works. Yeah, you're t- you're, you're you're just judging it based on how it looks. Yeah. If anything, I mean, what's more advanced is the, it gets smaller. The next gen enterprise, where it's like. Yeah, man, we just got couches and carpets, and you don't even know the text there. Exactly. I, said, I think I said that like a year ago. Like, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Like, technology has shown. I mean, I know I've got a bigger phone in my hand now, but as time goes on, I mean, look at the iPod. As time has gone on, the iPod has gotten, the more advanced it's gotten, the smaller it's gotten. Right, right. And if you're in, think about it. If you're in someone's house and they're using one of the Amazon Dots or the Google whatevers. Right. You don't even know there's anything there. Wouldn't it make more sense? But there sense? they are talking and things are happening. Right. I mean, I would think that we we could get, we would be so advanced that it's we don't even it's not even there. Yeah, you don't need to see interfaces and whatnot. It's voice and it's right. different things like that. Now, yeah. obviously with the original series you can't account for beehive hairstyles and like well, you know. You know, all that's not that's not, that's not that's not a result of of technology, but like, you know, it, look, it could just be the case of, you know, I remember back in the 90s, styles from the 70s came back. So oh, totally. For, so for some reason in the yeah. 2260s, styles from the, ni- styles from the 1960s came back or something yeah. like that. Or, if they made know. a show like right after, I don't know, Deep Space Nine, it probably would have been high fairies again. Yeah. But also at the same time, like those, even what we see in the original series, mm. the ships, the star bases, whatnot, we don't know how old they are. Yeah. They don't build they, new ones every year. They could just be old. Yeah. Speaking of hairstyles, actually, so Arium's replacement. I'm not getting my hair. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. Arium's replacement. Enough's enough. Oh, there's somebody driving down the street the wrong way. Sorry, fans at home. Okay. Um, you have a nice vista over the street here. Um, Arium's replacement had a really cool space ponytail. Right. It was like it was like this big, like, like a seashell, like, conical thing on Great. I didn't notice that. Check it out next time. Um, did we really quickly before we close up? Did we talk about Arium, Arium's replacement being the original Arium? Only momentarily. Briefly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Australian actress model. Yeah, that was kind of. Uh, it's interesting. Kind of, uh, and remember last week, or yeah, last week I theorized that hmm. she was not able to do the robot moves enough. <laughs> to, that's right. To actually do the scene. Yeah, because you were sitting in front of me doing it and nobody could see. You were sitting in front of me doing these robot moves. And I'm yeah. just like, he's doing the robot. I don't because know I have to say, the actress who played Arian was quite good. I mean, she really had the. Yeah. Do you think she was like. Head moves do you think she was like, guys, I'm sick of wearing this? Can I just. Can you just kill her, please? Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that would explain the you the, know the shoehorned in nature of it. But I'd be interested. I'd be interested to know what the kind of decision behind all of that is in terms of like if you're so injured and if you're so injured, like mm. getting these cybernetic augments, like Pike never got it. With his, I mean, unless you consider yes, well, no, no, no. It but just I mean, sucked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck him! Put him in a box. Yeah, actually, no. actually, no, wait, 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 no, wait, okay, wait, no, I can't, so, but not stop, to stop, those stop, stop, stop. Okay. So Pike's sitting there in that box, having known Arium before, known what Arium could do, right. sitting there with his fucking light. What was he thinking, man? Why couldn't you give me the Arium job, motherfuckers? But, but that's what I'm. But but you. You interrupted me, but that's where I was going. It's like, I was like, yeah, okay. I could say, no. I said, no, we didn't really have one. But you're like, yeah, I did. And I was like, well, no. But I was going to say, but not to the extent that Aaron right. had it. And even Ka- and even Kayla, the one you used to call yeah. my lady. He must have been pissed in that chair. <laughs> Are you pissed? Uh, uh, if he could have done Morse code, he probably would have been typing Arium, question mark, over and over. Right. No, but like, yeah. What what is the, what's the kind of practice behind that? I mean, it's, it's no rhyme or reason. That's kind of what I'm, whatever the plot needs. But you're, you're saying he must have been pissed. You imagine? Well, he you're can't say there. he can't say Arium in the box. I know. He can only say yes or no. Well, I mean, there is there's a the thing about that, right? There is Morse code. He could have done Morse code, really. I mean, come on. Unless his brain was supposedly damaged. They, I don't. They know. don't use Morse code in the 23rd century. Anyway. Well, no shit, but it was an option. <laughs> They could have let him have the sphere info in that box. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe his, his brain must have been like half melted or something. There's no reason that he would only be... No, why? because they said he's, he can, thinks exactly the same way we do. He just can't speak. Then why did they only let him say yes or no? <laughs> That's horrible. Because there was no other way for him to communicate. They could only ask him things. And the only thing they could say is... It's like, what are you going to say? Six, six beeps for Arium? 12 beeps for this, 12 beeps for, you know, you gotta set up a whole language for God's sakes. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't have minded having to learn a new language to be able to say anything more than yes or no. Or he could have just been Spock, he could have just mind melded with Spock. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, he got a raw deal. Let me just put it that way. You know what I bet it was? I bet it was section 31. He knew too much. Right. Section 31 said, you know what, we'll handle his arguments. Put him in a box. Here you go. Yeah, you can what if we it. find out? Oh my god! What if we find out the result of that accident was? What if Section Thirty One caused the accident that? Because he was saving cadets on a on a ship. Yeah. What if they? What if Section Thirty One planted that in there and caused the accident? And silent? then gave him the bad augment. What if they? Fu- they're the ones who fucked him up and put him in a box. They totally did. Because he knew too much. Poor yeah. Poor guy. Just like the sphere. Man, that is rough, though. Yeah, you're saying Pike got a raw deal. He worked alongside Arium, who so had basically she was a brain in an android, you know. You Maybe they were it. like, you know what? We fucked up Pike so much. We have to do better. We got to create data. We got to do better than this. Data's a result of that. We got to we got to do much better. They already did Arium, and he got a wheelchair and a light. <laughs> no, but there's a crew member. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Okay, now we're going into really we're going into like shit time. Definitely bonus territory. There's, no a, there's, there's a there's a there's a there's a crew member on Discovery in a wheelchair. Really? Yeah. Does it look like Pikes? No. <laughs> it's an actual. And how come in the Kelvin timeline Pike didn't have any? He was in the. He, 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 That's he, a different he timeline. True, but it's by all accounts it's a much more advanced timeline. 
Well, yeah, but wait. He didn't get into a box in that one, though, did he? <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. No, but at the end of the first movie, he's in a wheelchair. And then in Into Darkness, he's got a cane. Oh, that's good, then. <laughs> it's better than a box and a light. <laughs> it's... It's... it's <laughs> What do you want to have robot legs? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, mm. They could have got robot legs. I'm right. saying it's better than a box of <laughs> A box of all legged. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, uh, Section 31 was in uh, Into Darkness as well, so that's who. Uh, yeah, who had that. That's who Khan worked for. And had the. Did it, did he, though? It's better than a box, <laughs> than a box and a light. It's funny that it sounds Shit. extra dumb when you say it out loud. What? <laughs> That's what Khan worked for. <laughs> that sounds dumb when I say it? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean... Not because of you, because of them. No, I know. But them was, that done it. Well, John... Uh, yeah, his name was John Harrison. The, you know, But then he was actually Khan. But, uh, it's better than giving him a box and a light. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard they've ever heard us laugh like this before. I don't think so. Holy shit. Um, I don't know. Nothing even makes sense. Nothing. Makes, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Nothing even makes sense to me anymore right now. This is just all right. I guess we're, we're also we're also drinking too. So yeah. Yeah, we had a little uh, bit of cider. So I mean, we're not drunk or anything. No, so. we're just. But you yeah. know, we're, I'm gonna be drinking hard stuff when I get home. Full disclosure, right? We're drinking. Um, Give a shout out here. American Hard Cider Stormalong Legendary Dry. Yeah. Made in the great state of um, Massachusetts, where we also are made. Yeah. And. Yeah, have it, yeah. The other one is uh, Citizen Cider Treat Hop Tapper Maple yeah. Cider. Yeah, I'm not impressed by it. Made in the great state of Vermont. I'm not impressed by it. Home of. Uh, no, um. My senator, Mr. Sanders. No, uh. Why is he your senator? Cause I, You're not from Vermont. So it's... You say that when, when you feel like that person represents your views more than your own center. Got it. So, Got it. Okay. So there we go. We just let it out. Um, all right. So next week, I don't know the name of the episode. Um, I did momentarily. Um, so we will be back a week from now. We will. Disco um, podcast. At Disco Podcast. On Twitter. Um, in Discovery, we trust at gmail.com. And then we're still a few weeks away from uh, As Timeless as Infinity, a Twilight Zone podcast. Yes. Um, and uh, don't forget, let us know, where do you listen? What do you do? I think in this one they're going to be laughing. What do you do when you're listening? Are you driving your car? Are you sitting in your cubicle? Are you running on a treadmill? Are you walking the dog? Are you um, walking the cat? Yeah, you're walking the cat. So walk- I saw somebody walking a cat a few weeks ago. Really? I'm not joking. Hmm. No. Are you hang gliding? You know, I don't know what you do. Let us know. Are you in a wheelchair? No, we love people in wheelchairs. Yeah, but you know, if you knew the technology was available for you to be able to walk around, you're saying, and you were in a wheelchair, wouldn't you have some questions? That's all I'm saying. Pike on a rod deal is what you're saying. He definitely got a raw deal. And he knew Arium personally, so he knew how raw his deal was. Same with Spock. That's probably why he broke him out of there. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. All right. 
Good evening, everyone.